Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley, a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined by fellow consultant Sam Mead. Good morning. How you doing, Sam? G'day, Dom. Well, thank you. I'm pretty excited today because we're going to have a chat with Pat McCafferty. So he's the Managing Director of Yarra Valley Water. And Yarra Valley are, are doing some amazing stuff. I was actually talking to Pat after our Melbourne conference just recently, and they just won a sustainability award. So they've transformed the culture, and now they've sustained it. This is not the first time either, I think. They're filling up a trophy cabinet full of uh, sustainability awards. And I, I joked to him about, you know, oh, like, surely you can't be constructive though, you're a public utility. So I was talking to him about getting him on the podcast because we were talking about they're doing some amazing stuff in the environment and, and waste recycling and stuff, which we'll probably get into when we talk to him. But I think the, <laughs> I was talking to him about, oh, you, you should share your story. And he's like, the media don't care so much about good stories, right? About doing things. You know, it's usually whatever's happening and, the latest problem in the commission or something like that um, is where they focus. So I said, you know, good news, Pat, we've got a podcast and we control the edit. So, <laughs> so we'd love to have you share your story. So what would be good, Sam, is we'll, we'll get them on the line now and then uh, we'll have a chat with them. How's that sound? Great. Let's do it. All right. Let's uh, dial them in. All right, Pat, are you there? Are you on the line? Certainly am. Hey, Pat, it's Dominic and Sam here from Human Synergistics. How are you doing? Uh, good, thanks, folks. How are you? Yeah, we're doing pretty well. How's the weekend? Yeah, very good. Uh, yes, I uh, had um, just some – my sons play uh, Australian rules football and they played in the grand final on the weekend and were successful. So, it was uh, yeah, it was a great weekend. Uh, very enjoyable. That's a fantastic weekend. I love it. So, Pat, we've got you on the line. So, you and I were actually speaking after our Melbourne conference. We were chatting yeah. and we're at the lunch afterwards and talking about culture and so on. And I think what's interesting about Yarra Valley Water – is that you know you're a public utility, so obviously you can't have a constructive culture, right, Pat? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I, I actually think that uh, the nature of what we do really does give us a foundation to build a constructive culture. Because if you uh, you know if you get people who are emotionally connected to the purpose that we have, which is really fundamental to uh, the community, um, then you absolutely have a great foundation to build a constructive culture. Yeah. I love that. And so, you know, I, I was, I'm joking a bit tongue-in-cheek because I know Yarra Valley Water have uh, the kind of culture that most companies have as their ideal. Yarra Valley actually has as, as their actual, which is pretty amazing. And I know you've built it over a long time, Pat. So I'd love, I'd love your take on, you know, how did you build that culture and then how do you sustain it as well? Yeah, great question. Um, I often reflect on it myself. And, you know, we obviously get asked a lot these days about the journey. And, mm. uh, in fact, we do get some organizations saying, you know, we want what you have, but they want to get it really quickly, which <laughs> uh, I don't think is, you know, uh, I think it's a bit ambitious and, uh, and culture does take time. So I think if I reflect on a few of the ingredients, uh, one has been just staying the course and continuing to measure it. So knowing that, you know, every two years, roughly, we're going to do a deep dive on the OCI measure, uh, Human Statistics OCI, and having that, you know, what gets measured gets done, as they say, having that on our radar all the time, you know, keeps alive the interventions, if you like, in terms of 
you know, uh, programs, our cultural programs, our employee engagement programs, our leadership programs, mm. uh, even, you know, our promotions, our recruitments. It's, it's always present. So I think that's been one of the, one of the ingredients. And I often have come across other organizations, uh, even in our sector who have dipped their toe in the water with cultural measurement, but then have, you know, uh, had some, you know, uh, either results that they didn't like the second time around and, or they've had personnel changes and they switch and swap tools and, Never really, it never really sticks. So I think that's been really, that's been one of the most important things. And of course, Ant Barkwar, who uh, was our general manager of um, people and culture for a very long period, uh, was the person who first introduced the tool. And uh, of course, having that uh, continuity uh, with her stewardship, guidance, and coaching mm. um, mm. was really important for us as well. But then I think probably the third element is absolutely integrating it into our strategy. So culture is front and center in our strategy. And it has been for a very long time. So it's not off to the side. It is right up there with, you know, customer service, environmental performance and so forth. And, um, you know, it's had the same weighting. So it's, it's always been in our, you know, strategy scorecards. We've had measures around it. And, um, you know, it's, um, it's been sort of, you know, very much at the core of uh, our, our planning. That's great. And I think that that's a great point, Pat, is building it into the business, right? It's, it is up there with the strategy and everything. It's part of the strategy. And it's really the one of the vehicles to deliver the strategy. And then it's linking it to those outcomes, right? So why does it actually matter, this stuff? I think sometimes people lose the, the focus because they're doing it because you're kind of supposed to do something on culture and engagement and stuff, but not linking it to the outcomes of what, what the organization's actually here to do. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, you know, certainly uh, we've had our moments where we had some, I guess, misinterpretation of the tool sets we were using LSI, OCI. And, you know, in the early days, people talked about, you know, um, becoming a nice place to work, um, mm. which is obviously, what you know, you want that, but <laughs> I mean, in service of what, right? And so I guess maybe it's part of the journey, which is around, you know, we're measuring behaviours and, and there's certain behaviours that we don't support or that undermine our culture and, and reinforcing that. And I can get how people would then interpret it that that's what it's meant to be. But but we had to then sort of you know do some interventions along the line, along the journey to say look it's it's an actually a bad outcome so it's, it's you know uh, we fundamentally believe if we get the cultural settings right then you know we're going to get great outcomes for our customers for, for our people uh, for our stakeholders and even for the environment which is a pretty significant element of our business mm-hmm. and uh, and so you know um, over the course of the of many years of measuring culture you know we've had those moments where we've got you know are we getting the outcomes or not? And let's reset. Mm. We've had the culture uh, backslide a little bit where I think um, uh, it was quite a while ago now, but we, we thought we'd had culture right and we just uh-huh. got, you know, we didn't have to manage the existence of it, you know, sort of job done. Uh, and <laughs> mission <then> we, accomplished. <laughs> yeah, mission accomplished. <laughs> we sort of took our eye off the ball a little bit and that was a bit of a shock to us to see it go back a bit. So, you know, uh, re-engaging and, uh, on that, you know, and, and little things like, you know, what we found was that there were a lot of great things happening in the business, but we weren't telling the story. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, one part of the business way over, on, you know, uh, there where people didn't have a, a lot of visibility or interaction, they just didn't know that, you know, these things were happening. So, you know, you start to, I guess, from an internal commerce point of view, reinforce through the stories and the narratives about the successes. And, you know, these things build on themselves. So, you know, if you start to shine a light on, you know, uh, the way, uh, you know, the, the successes that people are achieving and the outcomes they're achieving and the way they've done it. So we, you know, we altered all of our measurement and reward systems and, and recognition 
to talk about, you know, what sort of cultural behaviours that team or that individual exhibit as to why we wanted to recognise them with this, this, this award. So it would be an outcome plus cultures, you know, gives you the recognition sort of thing. So that sort of reinforcement um, is really important as well. That's great, Pat. I I always think a lot of our um a lot of our community who are the most successful uh, in their culture journeys are the ones who bake it into the stuff they do. So performance appraisal or reward and recognition and so on. That culture elements baked into it and and it's made explicit, right? We actually talk about and highlight, okay, you're getting this recognition because, you know, you delivered this amazing result result and you did it in, in a great way. I think that's fundamental and key to people picking up those messages around culture. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, what, what we did with our you know, recognition system was that actually, you know, you actually had to tick boxes about, you know, which aspects of the uh, cultural behaviours that we, that we support were demonstrated by this project. And then, you know, when we would talk about, you know, the, the winners of our, you know, monthly recognition award, you know, the, the person who nominated them would actually get up and talk about that. Mm. You know, they would say, you know, this team achieved, uh, you know, this outcome in a faster time than, uh, and a lower budget than planned because, you know, the way they worked together, you know, uh, the, uh, the humanistic encouraging aspects of, you know, and stuff like that and bring it to life in, in those stories, which was really important. And we also um, created a thing called Our Way, which was around committing to an extraordinary culture, which was just really our beliefs on a page that talked about, you know, what we believed in, in terms of um, the way we work and outlining the behaviours that support our culture, but also the behaviours that undermine our culture. And, you know, having a very clear conversation about anyone who comes into the business is, is really important as well. You know, I think you do have to, you know, sometimes I, you know, my, my view is, you know, it's the vibe and, and, you know, it is, it isn't seen. You can't see it, but, but you can feel it. But I think, you know, writing these things down and having a discussion about them uh, helps as well. And Pat, how, on that piece of work our way, how have you found that's landed with, with the team? I mean, how has it been used by the team to help reinforce what behaviors we stand for and what behaviors we don't? Yeah. So it's all linked into our performance effectiveness framework. So all the performance plans uh, link back to uh, our way or the behaviours in our way. And in fact, one of the key uh, measurements that we have for all of our leaders is a matrix that looks at outcomes achieved and the influence that they've had on the culture. In other words, do they you know, live the culture day in, day out and actually inspire others? And then it's sort of a grading system along those lines. So clearly what we're looking at, if you think of a two-by-two, two, we're looking at the top right-hand box, box of you know, consistently achieves great outcomes with, you know, inspires and leads others in a way that reinforces and expands our culture. So um, embedding that in performance planning was really important. I must, uh, you know, I must also say that those those behaviours, if you like, the way we described the words was co-created with staff. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we sort of had a, a starting point, but we didn't mm-hmm. really want to sort of, you know, just go, you know, da-da, here it is. <laughs> So we would work at, uh, we'd probably worked it around the business for six months before we actually landed on, you know, this is the best way to describe what we want in our culture and uh, it, it's words that our people believe in. And I think that's another really important aspect and probably going back to the original part of the, the very first question you asked about, you know, um, you know, in a utility like ours and, and, and uh, you know, how do you build a culture? And a lot of it has to do with the purpose as well. And so, you know, we have a very strong purpose, which is around, you know, health and well-being of current and future generations. Mm. And we've worked really hard on engaging all of our people on that so that they have line of sight between 
their day job, what they do day in, day out, and that purpose. And um, even to the extent where we created a tool where people could actually, uh, it was called uh, My Contribution, Our Contribution. Mm. So a team could sit down and they could look at the purpose and they could look at the strategy and they say, well, what's our role? Uh, or an individual could do it as well and actually map it. And uh, I think that's been super important as mm. well. That sounds great. I think that yeah, helping people understand their role and their contribution really brings it to life. What what has been the impact for your customers, Pat? What would be your stakeholders? What have they experienced in part of this cultural embedding and, and evolution? Yeah, I think certainly if I, if I start with the stakeholders, they would, uh, and you know, well, our research would support this, they see us as being a very transparent organisation, one that is easy to deal with, easy to work with, very open, one that partners in, a, in an effective way. But one that's also straight as well, you know, um, particularly, you know, if we're talking about, you know, policy development for the water sector that we will always, you know, advocate on behalf of customers and provide options. And, um, I think that's always been, you know, really valued, but also an organization that will push the limits to try to make a positive difference. So to keep thinking about the bigger picture and how do we make a, make a positive difference in the community. And, mm. um, you know, I think. Some of our stakeholders often sort of, you know, hold us up, you know, as an exemplar in, in um, you know, um, how to go about things, which is great. I mean, you know, we, um, for instance, um, we, a couple of years ago, we ran a citizen's jury process for our long-term planning, which is really about putting the community and our customers at the centre of all of our long-term decisions. And um, we had quite a few people from the sector and from, uh, you know, regulators and stakeholders going, gee, you're brave, <laughs> um, which... For a while there, I, you know, started to get a bit anxious about it. <laughs> um, but um, I, I think it probably said a little bit more about them than us maybe in the mm. sense that um, our culture was ready for it. It was a match for it because when you do a citizen's jury process, you're basically handing over the decision make. And for a monopoly engineering-oriented utility, you know, uh, that does cause a lot of nervousness. But if you believe in the wisdom of crowds and, uh, you know, and, and, the, and the process that we went through, it was, it was magic. And so now, you know, and that for us was actually – that actually played into our business as well in terms of helping our people refocus and, and, and keep thinking about what's what's important for our, our customers. What do they value? What do they expect? And really having a, a strong sense of, around that. And our, all of our, you know, our, our five-year plan that went to the regulator and the prices were approved and all those sorts of things and investments were approved was all signed off on the back of a very powerful engagement through the citizens' jury process. So, yeah, so I think I think well, that's probably talking about uh, how it comes to life with customers and stakeholders, I mm. guess. But yeah, that's great. What a great way to get them engaged. And and I'm curious from those interactions, did some insights emerge for for your team for your business by engaging in, through the citizens jury? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, a couple of things. One one is that we had to we actually had to write a jury handbook, which was no more than a hundred pages. And, and normally, if you can imagine. You know, a large regulated utility like ourselves, you know, five billion dollars worth of assets. So you can imagine the plans that have to go into regulators. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of lot of trees. Um, you know, <laughs> go, go sacrifice. By the <laughs> <laughs> sacrifice. But we had to write a a hundred page plain English. Here are all the decisions that we normally make on your behalf, which we want you to guide us on now. And here are the trade offs. And I think that that was just it was very hard writing that. Very hard for our people, but. We've got it now. We've broken the back of it. It was well worth it. I think what I saw in the in the process was um, 
people who walked into the jury, you know, these are randomly selected people to represent two million customers, right? Mm. When they walked into the jury, that they all had single issues normally, mm. or, you know, the one thing they wanted to focus on. But what was fascinating as being part of a jury process was how they moved from individual perspectives to community perspectives, mm. and all of a sudden, they were starting to walk in our shoes and they realized, actually, it's not that easy, is it? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you have to make trade-offs. You don't have money that you can throw at everything. So the question that we asked them was, uh, we need to find a balance between price and service that's fair for everyone. How should we do this? So mm-hmm. that's a big question. And, you know, first of all, they had to sort of like, well, what does fair for everyone mean? And have a discussion about that. So that mm-hmm. was great. And I think finally... Uh, what became absolutely uh, crystal clear through the process, which we also backed up with some quantitative analysis to, that reinforced it, was what people expect and what they value are two different things. So for, for a water utility, I mean, you might say this is like surely that you'd know that in advance, but you know, it, it is a bit, it can be a bit vague. So, but we had absolute crystal clarity. They expect reliability, responsiveness, you know, and obviously water quality being number one. You know, safe, high quality drinking water. But the, the areas where they actually uh, had uh, value, where they would actually be prepared to put money, more money on their bill, were areas around the environment, around fairness and equity, helping people who are vulnerable, you know, you know, changing the service to be more modern and flexible because that's the way they compare their service. You know, they don't compare water utilities to water utilities or gas and electricity to fill councils. They compare us to any other service experience. Uh, they have, mm. and then saving water. So we could see that we could change the dial of the investment profile in certain areas, say reducing leakage or addressing greenhouse gas, or you know in, improve programs to help people who are experiencing financial hardship, and actually see perceptions of value go up as a consequence of that. Mm. So yeah, it's great, Pat. Uh, it's you know it's really innovative stuff actually, right? Having this citizens jury and and. I love using Yarra Valley Water as a as an example because people do say, you know, our oh, government can't be innovative, can't have a constructive culture, and it's just the the total antidote to that. And what I'd what I'd love to go in, you you've mentioned it a little bit. So customers talked about Yarra Valley's focused on the bigger picture, particularly around sustainability, mm-hmm. and you talked about your purpose as well, which is about you know future generations. And so what I'd love to get into is. Um, you know what? What are what are any big things Yarra Valley are doing in that space, Pat? Oh, well, where do I start? No. <laughs> so I'm going to go. There's quite a few, and, and I think um, it, it does come down to a few things. But what we've got, uh, and, and we don't always get it right, but we have individuals in this business where their values and what they're up for absolutely matches what the business is up for. And when you when you have the culture that we've got, you know, um, people can do amazing amazing things. And um, you know, I think maybe just some of the examples around that. Well, we were, I think, the first water utility to, to commit to the UN Global Compact and, and hence the Sustainable Development Goals. So that really is playing a, a bigger game and uh. seeing yourselves inside of a much bigger picture. And I guess if you think about water, you know, we are impacted by climate change. You know, we, we've got less uh, reliability of uh, rainfall uh. here in Melbourne, which is affecting the stream flow into our catchment. So we've had about a 30% reduction over 30 years of stream flow uh, into wow. catchments. So you know, we are affected by climate change, so we want to be part of the solution. And um, so this is where the waste to energy you know, idea comes from. You know, it is done in places like Europe where, you know, landfill, you know, is a lot more expensive and uh, and it's probably uh, further, you know, uh, a more additional focus on addressing climate change. But, you know, we, we, we saw ourselves as being in the waste industry. We already process a lot of Melbourne's liquid waste through, through our sewage system. There is a greenhouse gas problem from landfill. 
There is a food waste problem here in Australia. Our energy costs are going up. So it all comes together. And, uh, you know, our people coming to us with, uh, you know, we think, you know, waste energy is something we really want to explore and, and get into. And then, you know, supporting that and developing the business case and doing all the research and, and then building Australia's first, you know, large scale food waste energy uh, plant. So that's, that's been magic. I mean, there was a little bit of, you know, a calculated risk around, around oh. that, but, you know, uh, Probably the, the the key issue for us was could we get you know sufficient conta- uh, uncontaminated food waste to power these plants? But we've had more than <laughs> more than enough. In fact, uh, there's plenty of food waste going into landfill, as you can imagine. So we're taking about thirty three thousand ton of food waste per year into our waste to energy plant, and it uses a very similar technology to to sewage treatment. So you know we already had some skills and knowledge there that we could convert into this this uh-huh. realm. And we make money from it. So the trucks come in. We, 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 you know, we charge a gate fee. The energy that gets produced through this food waste powers the co. We've got a co-located recycled water and sewage treatment plant. So that takes about twenty-five percent of the energy that's used, and then seventy-five percent, uh, the remaining energy that's produced from the plant, is going back into the grid as renewable energy. So, you know, we're working on our second one now. That's been a great success, but you know, it very much uh, is one of these things about. How do we solve multiple problems? How do we do it in a way that's commercial? So it's not subsidized. Mm. Um, it's not subsidized by our customers. In fact, it's taking pressure off our costs because it reduces our energy costs. You know, and, and, you know, I mean, look, not every project works as well as that one. <laughs> um, sure. but, but that's sort of, you know, that, that's, that demonstrates what is possible when you give people a bit more freedom to think about solving bigger problems and, and, and you back them in. But I think probably another one uh, that I'm really proud of has been our work in supporting the vulnerable so we probably you know over a very long period of time uh, have developed a very strong reputation in the uh, utility sector for the work that we've done there and again i think I'd, I'd have to go all the way back to culture as being part of that in the sense that when we first you know we were created as an organization and we were doing programs to support the vulnerable we thought we were being pretty good at it and um, by opening ourselves up and working with people from the welfare sector, we realised we were pretty crap at it. Um, yes. And being open to getting coached from our stakeholders who were experts in this field was really important. And listening, you know, really being a listening organisation and taking on that feedback and, and co-developing the programs over 15, 20 years now to the um, extent that, you know, these programs have won you know, national awards and all sort of stuff. But that making a huge difference to people who can't pay their water bill. And, you know, we have a, and it's sort of in the DNA of the company that, you know, it just reflects who we are anyway. You know, if you can't, if you can't pay your bill, you can't pay your bill, but we're not going to, you know, pursue people for, for debt because, you know, water and sanitation are basically a human right and fundamental to, to life. So, you know, what we'll do with our programs is that we help people through whatever circumstances. And that's led us into, Developing muscle, if you like, in things like mental health, domestic violence, you know, all of those sorts of things that are actually, you know, can be you know, triggers for people not being able to pay water bills. Mm. So, yeah, so I'm really proud of that. And that's led to some really big things. In fact, it's led to a, I think, a thriving communities partnership now, which is it's sort of housed at Yarra Valley Water, but it's a cross sector collaboration of energy, you know, you know gas, electricity, um, banking, finance insurance companies, uh, t- uh, telecommunications and water sector, where we come together and we're initially just to, to share the way we supported the vulnerable, but now to actually take that to the next level 
by, you know, building systems and processes and capabilities across our sector and pushing each other to lift all the boats in the way we support people. Because, mm. you know, what we know is that if someone can't pay their water bill, you know, the chances are that, that you know, they won't be able to pay their other bills. And, mm. um, you know, and most of these organizations do have pretty good programs, but people don't know how to, you know, it's such a minefield. If you lose mm. your job, uh, or whatever, I mean, you know, you know, what can happen is the bills start piling up in the corner and people don't know how to navigate all this, mm. all this stuff. But by coming together, maybe we can really make a step change in, in helping people who, who uh, find themselves in those circumstances. So, and you know, that's one of those things that has, 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 you know, came out of Yarra Valley Water. And I think maybe uh, as a government owned water utility with a, with a, you know, with a pretty well known culture, we were probably seen as, as a good broker <laughs> between, mm. say, the welfare sector and maybe some of the, you know, the, you know, the, the private sector utilities. So, um, that's going really well. But, um, yeah, so they're the sorts of innovations that, you know, and again, I think, you know, Kira Sterling, you know, she was, uh, uh the person who's running our, a hardship program. She's now the CEO of this thriving communities partnership because you know what she's up for and her values absolutely match what the business is up for. And so you sort of stand back and let the magic happen in those circumstances. Mm. I love it, Pat. I mean, it's incredible all the stuff Yarra Valley are doing. I think it's you know it's fantastic. It's a great example of you know you build this constructive culture. You let people be their best. You know you leverage their skills, like you're saying with the with the energy recycling plant you know you had some skills there already from from the work you do in surge and so on leverage them you know build and build something great and so i i love what you're doing and and the work with the vulnerable and stuff and i think it does speak volumes to the culture and i know last i think it was last time you did a culture measure or maybe it was the time before our chairman sean mccarthy was down debriefing the results and you know they were fantastic right off the charts kind of constructive and there was a question, you know, what do we do now? What should we focus on? And I think he said, you know, go and share your story and, and help other people. And so that's what you're doing. That's what I hear, you know, with staying all these initiatives and bringing in other utilities, other players is, um, you know, sharing that. So that's awesome. Congratulations and well done on that, Pat. No, thanks very much, uh, Dominic. Uh, you know, we're obviously really proud, but we, we also um, understand that we, you know, we have to, to you know, stay the course. You know, we've had um, you know, grown significantly in the last few years too, and we we have a uh, I think an OCI scheduled uh, next year sometime, and uh, you know it'll be really interesting you know, to see uh, you know how we're tracking. But it has been one of those things where you know you build the momentum, and you know people absolutely believe in it. And uh, yeah, as as you say, Sean was advocating you know uh, having a uh, a broader impact, and we you know we're certainly trying to do that through things like the Sustainable Development Goals and the Thriving Communities Partnership. And so forth, even to the extent where, um, you know, we've actually been doing a little bit of consulting in the last sort of couple of years to, to other government organizations just to, to help them. And, uh, I mean, we were getting a lot of requests to, uh, I guess, share our story and, but we felt that we could actually probably do more. And, uh, who, uh, I mentioned before, Ian Farquhar, our um, previous general manager of people and culture has been, uh, sort of, you know, doing a fair bit of that, that work as she's transitioned out of the business and, uh, that's been that's been really good for everyone, and uh, you know we we're absolutely committed to it. We totally believe in this stuff, and um, you know I think when I think about where we are as a society, and I think about you know think about banking commissions and you know what's happened mm. in a whole bunch of other sectors, you know, and the nature of what we do as as a water utility, you know, essential to livability, you know, essential to to the way people live, you know. Having the right culture is that's a match for that is is just so important. That's fantastic. I think that's a great note to 
leave it on. Thanks so much for your time today, Pat. It's been a, a great conversation with you. My pleasure. You're welcome. Awesome. Thanks, Pat. So what do you think about that, Sam? That was incredible. Dom, that was just amazing to hear a business that's backing themselves, leveraging their culture and achieving awesome outcomes for the environment, for the for us as people in the environment. I mean, the bell that rings for me is, you know, there's been a lot of talk with the Royal Commissions and stuff, short-term focus. Mm. Well, here's an organization with long-term focus, right? They're doing sustainability and so on and doing, a, you know, kicking real goals, right? I know they, Pat talked about 25% of their powers coming from from the waste recycling. I know they have an ambition to be 100% renewable by 2025, which is not long away. And they're already investing in solar farms with other utilities, all sorts of stuff. So, no, Amazing business and a lot that we can learn from in terms of how they're, how they're approaching issues that are a bit far beyond their own normal remit. They're tackling things, as, as we heard, around helping people that aren't as as lucky as others and they're incorporating their learnings into other government industries. I think it's a great way to be bigger than, than they than they think they could be. And it all comes back to their strategy as well yeah. though, right? Because the waste recycling is awesome for for environmental things, which they see as part of their mission, right? That's part of their purpose. But it also, now they're not paying electricity bills, yeah, right? And in fact, they're making money from it because they sell the electricity back into the grid. So actually, it makes business sense too, right? It's not, Pat talked about, it's not subsidized. Mm. It pays for itself and, and then some, which is brilliant because that's the actual sustainable bit, right? It's not just the environmentally sustain, sustainable, but financially sustainable as well that yeah. they can keep that going. And how they're taking people on the journey, the team, mm. how mm. they're creating a space for the team to come up with these ideas, how they're engaging the community. I think it's a brilliant, a brilliant example. It was, you know, lots of good stuff. Yeah. And the thing I loved in there as well, Pat talked about, you know, with the culture bits was building it in. That's what I kept hearing. Mm. They mm. built it in and they just keep referencing it, keep it front of mind mm. through everything they do because that's how you sustain it, right? And, and he talked about how at one point that, you know, mission accomplished, took their foot off the gas and guess what? It went backwards, right? So it's keeping that focus and it's, and I think that's by building it into the business as usual. Mm-hmm. So it's not just an event that happens every second year or something where we, do a survey and we roll out some results. But, you know, how does it matter to people day to day? You know, we have those conversations he talked about when new people start, they have the conversation about their behaviors, the our way, I think he called it. And individuals being measured on their contribution to that culture and their behaviors, what they've achieved and and also how they how they've gone about achieving it. I think it's really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So Anyway, I'm always inspired by their story. Yeah. And I, I led off with a slightly cheeky question, which was around, uh, you know, uh, you're a utility and, and a public utility at that, so you can't be constructive. And I think a lot of people hold that view and, and it doesn't have to be the case. I know, you know, maybe often it is, but it definitely does not need to be. So whenever anyone says, you know, in this industry, we have to be like this, I mm. say rubbish because I know uh, <laughs> no ones that buck that trend. And interestingly they're now consulting back in to other businesses that's to right other government agencies to be able to help them on their journey i think that's great yeah and that's that fulfilling that mission that sean mm. talked about go share it yeah yeah so and farqua doing lots of work within utilities but but also with other organizations too so it's awesome love it great anyway i had a great time talking to pat so that was awesome awesome catch you on the next one sam thanks Tom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, 
leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au. Thank you.